0: Today's scripture is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 1 through 15. Verse 1 For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. That's God's word. Thank
1: you, Patrick. In this passage, we will learn that uh, we have seasons and events in life, and I just want to share a few of mine with you. When I grew up, my uh, stepfather was in the asphalt paving business, and I thought, well, I need to be an engineer and kind of get into that area of work. And later, he sold that business and bought it, uh, got into the horse business because he'd grown up out on the Pawnee Buttes grasslands. And so uh, then I decided I wanted to be a world class cutting horse trainer, so that's what I was going to do. But when the vets came around, I started hanging out with them and, and found myself following a path into veterinary medicine. Uh, worked out that I uh, wanted to go to Kentucky, but no jobs in Kentucky. They would, pay, they would let you pay them to watch, but no work. Uh, so anyway, that didn't work out. I ended up at this big smelly feedlot over in Greeley and uh, thought I'd spend most all of my life there. Got an advanced degree that related to the business there. and During that time, I ran out of myself, I ran out of all of my uh, understanding and knowledge of life and came to the place where I could not handle the thought of death. For six months, every day, I feared death to the point of incredible, incredible fear. And it's uh, through that event that uh, led me eventually to seminary, 30 years of ministering in Greeley, and here I stand today after flunking retirement. What a life. But to add uh, add vanity to all that, uh, uh, when we sold our home and started RVing, we sold the furniture, the house, everything. We put our boxes full of all my life in my wife's mother's basement. All my notes from veterinary school, my master's degree program, seminary, all the notes from 20 years, 30 years of ministry in boxes. And then she decided to sell her house and move to Alt, a house with no basement, So I loaded up all my boxes in a one-ton truck, and it filled the truck up, believe me, took them out to East Greeley to a shredder, uh, put them on a pallet this tall full of boxes. And I I was hoping he would shred them at that point, but he said, no, I'll I'll do it tomorrow. So walking out the door, I said, so what are you going to do with what's shredded? Oh, we send it south and become toilet paper. (laughs) That's my life. Talk about vanity of vanities. I don't know about you, but I'm guessing all of you have had unusual journeys. I never ever ended up where I thought i would where I started out to be. How about you as you think through your life, are you where today you thought you would be when you began, or are you in some completely different place? What events have shaped you what what struggles or challenges have you faced what what seasons have you gone through that have altered your life and and brought you to a completely different place and Really, that's what our passage is about today. Uh, <clears throat> Solomon, the wise man, uh, talks about these seasons and events. And I just want us to understand today that uh, there is a purpose behind all of this. And we'll talk about that as we move on. But the three keys that came to me out of the text are first, uh, even uh, even in Solomon's state, if it was him, we believe it was, I personally do, uh, that he saw God operating above him, his life. And this text brings that out. And I think the text encourages us to look up, to look up and try to discern, determine what, what God, what are you doing? Uh, The text also talks about the fact that eternity God has put in our hearts. And it's a call, I think, for each of us to look within and, and to try to determine, God, what are you doing in life? How do I fit in? What's your purpose and plan for me in all of it? And then the passage ends up with the thought of death and eternity. So, so that brings us to the question of what lies ahead for all of us. You know, uh, I've lived a lot of years, and uh, uh, I'm probably way, way, way closer to leaving this life uh, than I than I am anything else. And so, I think more about those times maybe than some of you. But the reality is, am I looking up? Am I looking within? And am I looking ahead to what lies in the future? So I want to I unpack the text with those three thoughts in mind. So to begin with we come to the first nine verses where we, we come to these seasons and these events that God has I believe personally ordained. He is in control. He's sovereign over all of these things. And the text says for, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And the idea is the words here are predetermined seasons, the cycles, the the events that recur in life and the times, those specific things that uh, we see we're involved in that change, impact, uh, guide our lives. And the thing I think that gives us great clarity here is he says it's under the heaven. And I think this is a clue for us to look up. God, what are you doing in all of these seasons and events of our lives? We know God is sovereign. Mm -hmm. Uh, We read in Isaiah 61.1 these words, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Uh, We want to capture a beautiful picture of the sovereignty of God today in this passage. He is over all, he's in all, he's through all. You know, and as we live through the life and as we've spent four weeks reflecting so far in this book, it's, it's like there is a lot of stuff in life we don't understand. We, we can't discern. It seems confusing and perplexing to us. It really does seem like vanity to us. We dance to a, a drummer or a musician that we don't control. We live life and pursue things that at times we, we, we have no idea where they will lead or what will come from them. And and I think uh, God has set that in motion for a purpose we'll get to. But uh, what we're given here in this first nine verses or eight verses are 14 statements in seven sections. And and they are uh, uh, what later it is called in verse 11, beautiful in its time. Uh, It starts with birth and then it ends with death. And the whole idea that these two concepts, they encompass all of life. There is no life before birth and there is none after death in in the physical sense in which you look at this world. Of course, we know there's life eternal. But we need to look at this life in a a clear way. So so let's take a look at some of the boundaries. And the question before us is how do we look at these events? If we look at them from the eyes of, of the unbelieving world in which we live We see futility, we see vanity, we see all these things that occur. There's a time to uh, be born, there's a time to die. Uh, None of those things are we in control of. They just happen. Uh, They come and they go and we look around us and the world is giving birth and the world is passing away. How How many weeks go by that you don't see a funeral procession somewhere? Someone has passed away. And so if we look kind of in this way at our world, we see these events just occurring over and over and over again. The scriptures remind us that that there is a vanity in this world. It says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. There's a lot of uncertainty there for people living under the sun. But I want us to look at these passages in a different way. I I want to look at them under heaven today. And when it says there's a time to be born, I want us to think about that under heaven. You know, as God has brought children into our lives and his loved ones pass away, this is all in his hand. God is in control of all. Remember, he is sovereign. and And I want us to think through this passage today a bit through the providence and the determined will of God. These things happen. They're regular. They're certain. They go on and on in life. And as the events unfold, uh, if we're people of faith, we can see His hand at work, and we can see His purpose and His plan. His plan coming to fruition. He does control all the days and times of our lives, as David said in Psalm thirty-one, fifteen: "My times are in Your hand." Oh, David, you are so wise. If we can learn more and more to think in that way, to look up and to believe and live in the reality that God is in control, our times are in his hands. So let's look at a time to be born and a time to die. You know, uh, we had uh, two children before I was a believer, and we had a third one after I was a believer. Jolene carried her for 11 months. I came home one night and we had a waterbed. Because she said, I'm going to roll over and sleep on my stomach before this child is born. I almost had to get the cat puller out, honest. (laughs) But but we had no idea when this child was going to come and on and on. And she came at 8 pounds and and 6 ounces. And if you know Jolene, she's not a very big girl. So this is a big baby. But uh, anyway, we had no idea. God brought that child when God was ready to bring that child. I think of a gentleman at our church years ago named Lloyd Day. Some of you that came from Greeley may remember Lloyd. Lloyd was a faithful servant of God. The most uttered statement from his lips was, the best is yet to come. Oh, I will never, every time I hear that statement, I'll think of Lloyd. His wife uh, acquired Alzheimer's. She died. Uh, He still, they lived at Bonnell for a while. He still uh, went over to visit friends at Bonnell from time to time. Uh, One afternoon, he was visiting some friends. He walked out, sat down on the bus bench across from Bonnell, and died. Boom. And he went to be Jesus. The time of his death was in the hands of God. had another man in the church, he was getting up, ready to go to work, putting his shoes on, and he fell over dead. The events and the cycles of life are in God's hands. We read on in this passage that it's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted you know I, I got into this, this is something I can do, you know I can, I, you know, I can uh, uh, work the soil, I can get the soil prepared for planting and all this and we can plant the soil and this is something man does nah, don't believe it. God brings the seasons does he not to plant? Did God not craft the bulb or the seed that would give birth to plant life? I don't shape tomatoes, and I don't shape ears of corn with my hands, but he does. It's all of God, and it's his beautiful gift to us. Verse 3 says, a time to kill and a time to heal. You know, interestingly, this week in the the, uh, city paper here in Windsor, we had an account since it's been 30 years since Ted Bundy lived on this planet and took the lives of approximately 20 women. It was a time for him to die when they executed him, to rid this world of a predator and an awful man. But there's also a time to heal. I remember back, uh, Jolene's father was getting bypass surgery. This is back in the uh, early 90s. He was in the hospital in Denver. They were taking grafts out of or vessels out of his legs, putting them in, into his heart. And back then, they did that more than they do it now. And, He was in there a long time. The physicians came out, and and he said to Jolene and her mother, uh, the surgery's been completed. It's successful. We've tried to restart his heart four times, and it will not beat. We are going to go in one more time and try once again. And he lived. His heart (laughs) beat. And he had another 10 years. (laughs) There's a time to live, a time to die. These things we see. Uh, so uh, ever present around us. The text says a time to break down and a time to build up. You know, you think back about these things. We think we build, we think we tear down. Look back in the scriptures, it was God who prepared everything for Solomon to build a temple, which he did. And then the Israelites were taken into captivity and the walls of Jerusalem were torn down and then they were built up again. And then after Christ's leaving of this world, the city was torn down so are not those things in the hand of god as well it says in verse 4 a time to weep and a time to laugh i remember uh, a nine year eight or nine year old girl in our church some of you again from grace will remember her name was brianna and she incurred brain cancer when she was about 8 we walked with that family for 2 years through the end of her life, as she saw treatment, as we prayed for healing, and as eventually the cancer won the battle. a time to die. But uh, Brianna was one of those people that probably did more for Jesus in her eight or nine years than I will ever do in my entire life. But the reality is just a few weeks ago, oh, or excuse me, this past summer, I was out in the front yard and our neighbor's house was for sale. And a car pulled up to look at the house, and the door opened, and it was Brianna's parents who came to look at the house. We hadn't seen him probably for 10 years. And so we went back to the patio in our backyard, and we sat down and got, got connected again. What are you doing? What's life like? And, and eventually the conversation turned to Brianna and the joy and the, the blessing and the gladness that was evident in their heart over the time they had with their daughter. Was so blessed, so amazing. A time to weep and a time to mourn, all in God's sovereign time and purpose. You know, there's uh, more of these that I don't have time to get through, or we're going to be here till noon on just this part of the message. So uh, I'm just going to read them. Verse 5 says, A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. Uh, Verse 6 says, a time to seek and a time to heal or lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. That one really struck home for me because we acquired stuff for 20, well, almost 40 years and then we uh, sold the house and everything else. We had to cast away a lot of stuff. Do you know how many garage sales it takes to cast away all your stuff? Many, many garage sales. So uh, yeah, but it's just life. All that stuff we bought, it was important to us. And then there came a season in our life where we didn't need it anymore and we cast it away. Verse 7 says, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak. Verse 8 says, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time for peace. We could dig deep into all these, but again, our time's limited enough today. We just can't take that kind of time. But what I I want to draw for you is just what what is God doing in all of this? Why is this in God's word? What's what's here to glean for us? And I think the truth is under heaven, uh, what we have the opportunity as believers to see is the unfolding of God's glorious and grand design. Even in Brianna's case, we celebrate the fact she's with Jesus. Uh, Any struggle in her life is long since past. And we celebrated that with her parents. The worst thing that could could possibly happen we think of in life would be the loss of a child. But yet, with time comes healing and rejoicing in the goodness of God. So look up. What is God doing in this confusing uh, time that we face, the perplexing things we have to deal with day in and day out? Ask him, God, what is your purpose and plan? Seek to find his comfort in it, his his, uh, working through you and his transformation in your life as a result of the struggle and the hardship you face. We do a lot of discipling, as some of you know, and one of the key verses that we help people try to grapple with as they go through the hardships of their life is Ephesians 1.11. It says this, In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. I want us to understand today, God brings hard things in our lives to grow us to challenges, sometimes to chasteness, but always to draw us closer to Him, to a greater dependency in Him, to a greater appreciation of Him, whether it's something we're rejoicing or something that's killing us, literally, because it's so hard. And what the preacher has before us today is is just a reminder that God is providential. God is sovereign. God is over all of this. And he works through it all for his own good purpose and his will in conforming us more and more to be like him. You know, two words come to me as I ponder just this part of the scriptures. Those two words are first humility and then second confidence. As I thought about those two words, I'm humble because he's in control. I don't have to be. And I'm confident because he's in control and I don't have to be. What a great place to live, to just trust and rest and, and grow deep in the sovereignty of God and his purpose and his plan in our lives. Well, let's move on to, to take a few moments to look at verses 9 through 13. We're going to start with verse 9. And uh, this is a call to look within to the eternal within us and, and to this fact that, that everything is good. Verse 9 says, what gain has the worker from his toil? And again, he's he's got us back in this place where we're looking at life apart from God. And and honestly, I do that at times when I forget my relationship with Christ. I look at this world as though I were not saved, as though I had no biblical or theological reference. I don't know if you do that, but you're odd if you don't. Uh, We see life and we see the hardships of life oftentimes. Apart from maybe what God wants to accomplish through it. What gain has the man from his toil? Uh, you know, It's that question in life. And, and I really believe behind all of this, that the, the stuff that's happening in life around us are God's simple design. To awaken us to himself. To call us to him. To realize that this life is not all there is. There's enough regularity and, and sustainability and, 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 and stuff in life to, to give us confidence in God. Somebody's in control. God's in control. God brings the regularity of it to us. And it's not until we have eyes of faith that we come through the Word and the Spirit that we can even begin to see these things. And I really believe the vanity that we've been looking at over the last few weeks is God's calling card. He wants us to look deep within and say, God, is this all there is? I I don't know if you've ever thought that, but I have. God, this is it? These momentary pleasures of life, uh, the heart, is this it? And I think the reality is this is God's plan. It's His design. It's worked into the fabric of our lives. To understand and know all of this is from God. He says later, I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm busier now that I retired sort of uh, than I was before I had a you know, back when I had a job. We can get so busy with this life. But the reality is uh, God just lets that happen to where we run out of resources, strength, energy, time, understanding, reasons for even being here. He allows that to happen. It's his calling card. And I think the perplexity that we live with is that that God allows us to live life in such a way that that we're going to keep looking within and within and within. And, And I tell you, I've been there. And I found nothing of substance or lasting value. You won't look for something without until you, look for some, until you run out of and can't find something within. And I think that's a lot about what the vanity in this world is about. This is fuller, f- more fully explained in the next couple of verses in 11 and 12. He says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in the hearts yet so that he, and this is man generic, cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He's made everything beautiful in its time. We look at the beauty of this world. We look at so many beautiful and good things God has done. And he has also put eternity in the hearts of man. Yet, man without God cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God extends all of this. And within ourselves, there is no way to find that hope. It's outside of us in the person of Jesus Christ. Is outside of us in the deep work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God in our lives. We will never find what we need in us. It's only found outside of us in Christ. It doesn't mean that God can't take our unique personalities, giftings, energies, times, resources, and use them for His glory. He can. But the reality is, and we sang it already this morning, without Jesus we've got what? Nothing. Nada. Zero. And that, I believe, is the true essence of this book. God has created and ordered things in such a way that we will come to the end of ourselves and look to him because he alone has the answers. He's made everything beautiful. Romans 1, 19-20 says this, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. Trust me, in this vanity, in this world, there is enough of God to awaken people to long for him, hunger for him, seek him out. And I believe that's a lot about what the vanity is all about. He's made it all beautiful. And he goes on to say here, and let me say this before I move on, I think reality, the ultimate blessed reality of this life is nothing more than the beauty of God being revealed for us to see and rejoice in. He goes on to talk now about the eternity eternity in man's hearts. You know, there, there is within each of us this desire to understand why we're here, what is our purpose here, what happens after death. That's of God, it's the Imago Deity, it is God within us. He's created us in His own image to know those things. And this is God's purpose, is that we would discover that. We would come to know that as He uh, brings us to Himself through His Word and through His Spirit. The world can't satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy. And if we go out there and we hunger after the world to meet our needs, to give us satisfaction, we will always, always be disappointed. You know, years ago, uh, when I was working on my master's degree, I I literally came to the end of myself. And for those six months, those entire six months, I had to drive by a cemetery every night, by the way, to get home. So the thoughts of death reentered my mind. For six months, I thought my life is going to end. My purpose in this whole existence of mine is going to end in a six by six hole in the dirt. And that'll be the end of me. And that haunted me. I think it would have literally driven me insane. I really believe that. And one night in desperation, I I was literally at the end of myself. I looked at my wife and I said, honey, I can't do this anymore. And she said the most important thing any human being can say to another. She said, have you tried Jesus yet? And I guarantee you, I was so ready to try anything, including Jesus, whose name I had profanely used thousands and thousands of time. I was ready. God had led me through the, through the vanity and the futility of this life to a place where I needed him desperately. And it's through those events, through that circumstance in my life. That he brought. That's why I'm standing here today. That's why he did what he did. I never, ever would have dreamed it would have happened that way. But he brought all this into my life. God, all of this joy, and Dan touched on this last week. Uh, we go on in verse 12 and 13, and it says, I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. And then later he says also that everyone should eat and drink and take advantage uh, or take pleasure in all uh, his toil. This is God's gift to man. <laughs> I, I want to I really make sure you understand this passage. This is a generic truth for all people. There is pleasure available for the unbeliever as there is for the believer. We know rain falls on who? The just and the unjust. We know God's goodness and His joy or blessings to a degree fall on those who don't know Him. There are people out there celebrating life in uh, ways better than I could in terms of enjoying appreciating this world. So why has God done this? Why is all of this His plan and His purpose? And, you know, uh, this is my conclusion. This is as simple and as profound as I can make it. The reality is God gives the gift to everybody, but we're the only ones who can know the giver of the gift. We're the only ones who can know the living God and in Christ celebrate what He's given to us. An eternal life. Every time we are privileged to be blessed in this life we have the opportunity to thank the giver for the gift they don't because they don't know there's a giver I know in, in the world of apologetics the problem of evil is nasty but I'm going to tell you something else the problem of good is even nastier. How do you explain the goodness in this world? There's only one explanation. There is a giver of goodness, the living God, who wants us to celebrate him, to rejoice in him, to embrace all that this, all of this that he's poured out in life. It's his goodness we're to celebrate, and it's his glory we're to proclaim. That's the message. The reality is are we living for his glory and celebrating the giver of every good gift? Jason uh, reminded us last summer, are we here for the gift or the giver? And it's that same simple truth through Scripture and profound in this passage. It is the giver that we seek. His gifts are good. We're to appreciate them, rejoice in them. But they're to lead us to the giver. That's the only reason we have them. And even for the lost, it says, it says here, uh, yeah, that's in the next section of the message. I'll get to that in a moment. But the idea is giving glory to him. Corey Ten Boom said this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look to God, you will find rest. Look within, is your heart filled to overflowing for the gifts the good giver has given you? Do you rejoice at every opportunity, every point in life? And, and, and I don't, but I want to grow in that. I, I want to realize more and more everything he's given is his goodness poured out for me, his blessing for my life, to realize that and to enjoy that. Let's wrap up with uh, verses 14 and 15. He says in 14... And listen, this is a profound, profound verse. And if you don't think about death, read this verse every day and pretty soon you'll think about death. And you'll think about what lies ahead. He writes, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing or, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. Did you hear that? Everything God has done, everything that's occurred in my life has been for his glory. It's been part of his eternal plan for me. It's it's been part of, of his eternal desire that I would grow to become more and more in love with him through Jesus. I just love uh, the way he cloaks all this. It's eternal. It will last, endure forever. From the moment of birth to the moment of death, our time on this earth can be, if it's in Christ, if it's informed by the Word and the Spirit of God, be for His eternal glory. All of it. All of it. This is looking at life from a very high view. It's secure for eternity. In him we find steadfastness. In, fa- in him we find purposefulness. In him we find security. All of them eternal. I, I love what-, what the word says here. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing needs to be added to it. It's perfection. There's nothing imperfect or defective. It's correct and, admit- and doesn't need anything to change it. Nor anything taken from it can never be taken away. It's his. He's done it. No power is great enough to remove that from him. It's his. And our response is just to revere him, to worship him, to worship the giver for the gift of life, of of everything we have on this planet, to glorify him, the giver. The text says not only God has done it, So that people revere before him. He goes on to say, that which is already been, that which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. What that tells me is this cycle is going to go on and on and on. This vain cycle on this planet is going to go on and on and on until Jesus comes. It's not going to change. And God's going to use it for his eternal purpose to reveal himself through his gifts to men who will receive him, who will believe in him, who will come to him. It says here that he seeks those who've been driven away. I'm not absolutely sure what that means, but I've come to believe it means he's seeking the lost. He wants them to come to him. This passage is so amazing. He wants every human being to come and know him and enjoy him forever. That's the bottom line. So as we think about the future, uh, am, am I living my life for His glory, for the advancement of His kingdom? That, that's my hope and prayer. Uh, do, do what I invest in, do what I pour my time into, is it all about Him and furthering His work? Am I building my kingdom or His kingdom? Those are questions that I hope this text will draw us to ask. Let me just wrap up quickly because uh, we're going to share the, the, the Lord's table today. Look up. Uh, All the seasons and events of life understand they're orchestrated by the providence of God. Uh, And he's bringing his purpose and his plan to fruition all perfectly, all without need for change or modification. Look within. Are are you finding that that contentment in him, that joy in him, that peace in him? Are, Are you being shaped more and more to be the beautiful representative of Jesus Christ. He wants you to be in this world. Are you pouring forth the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit in your lives in joy, peace, and gentleness, kindness? Are you looking ahead? For those of us that are older, we know <laughs> what that means as we look ahead. My life in this world is waning away. But what I'm going to try to do with as much of it as I can, is serve him. Advance his kingdom. Seek his glory. And make it known. Today we have the opportunity to, to uh, share the bread and cup. In just a moment, I want to say a few things, but in just a moment, uh, I want you to just come up, and the band's going to come up and play, but I want you to come up and take the cup and the bread. But as I was thinking through the, the table this morning, this thought, uh, impacted me the table's about looking up it's about looking within and it's about looking ahead god so loved the world that he sent jesus christ because he loves us and he wants us to know him when jesus taught his disciples about remembering him he said do this in remembrance of me My body is broken for you. My blood is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. When we fail to glorify and honor God in everything, we've lapsed over into the vanity of life. And we're missing the joy and the glory of worshiping the giver of every good gift. And then lastly, Jesus said, whoever eats this bread... And drinks this cup, proclaims the Lord's death until he comes. So we have eyes above, within, and ahead as we come today. I just want you to ponder that a bit, think through it, come, take the cup, take the bread, go back to your seat, and as the Lord leads you, uh, remember him that God sent him, that he died for our sin, and that he's coming again. Are we ready? I pray we are.